You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. We have any fry takes today? I mean, we can work it in, certainly. If Aaron Goldhammer has any, you know, takes on, on fast food French fries, we can certainly do that. I'm Gabe Nigel. He is Aaron Goldhammer as we fill in for the guys on Canty Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80, ESPN Radio, presented as always by Progressive Insurance. Do you have any fry takes you want to just shoot out there, Aaron? I've, or, got a spi- I've got a spicy one. Best fast food fries, Wendy's. I... I honestly could not tell you the last time I had Wendy's fries. Well, maybe you should give them a whirl. Didn't, Gabe. didn't they I mean, just like redo them? Didn't they? I, I, I yes, swear, I, I swear, I, I got on. a commercial. They are guaranteed to be hot and crispy. I got them a couple of days ago, and they were a little cold and a little soggy. And I said right away, and they said yes, sir. And I, they got me brand new uh, fries, and they were hot and delicious right out of the fryer with the perfect amount of salt. And they are the best fries in fast food. All right, I'm going to have to give that a chance. I'll I'll have to give it a shot. Again, I could not tell you the last time I had Wendy's fries, but on the recommendation from Aaron Goldhammer, I will, within the next week, stop at a Wendy's. I'll get the Baconator still a thing, right? Just get a Baconator, get get some fries, and and I will report back to you. Also, gay breakfast at Wendy's now is a big thing. I don't know if you knew that. I mean, it, I, I'm, I'm sounding seen, almost like I'm an endorser for yeah, that. I, I, yeah, in I don't Cleveland. know what's going on here. I, mean, I don't like, know what he's trying to do commercials that ESPN isn't getting any money for this day and age. <laughs> big, big Wendy is getting to Aaron Goldhammer. Uh, just kind of like uh, Matashiba got to uh, got to Nikola Jokic yesterday in their matchup. If you happen to miss that, again, Jokic trying to chase down a loose ball. Uh, and then the owner of the Suns, Matt Ishbia, made the, they made contact... I, I think, think Ishbia flops. I think it's Ishbia. Matt Ishbia. Ishbia. Yeah, Ishbia. I think so. I apologize. I could, be, I could be correcting you, and I could be totally wrong, but I think it is. I think it's Ishbia. Okay. Matt Ishbia. Flop. Either way, he flopped. Like, there, there was a little bit of contact, sure, from Jokic. Did he really sell the contact to potentially get a technical foul on Jokic? I think Ishbia did flop. But... Got the technical on Jokic, and now the discourse today, Aaron, has been, well, is there going to be any further punishment? Do we see a potential suspension from Nikola Jokic? Do you see any further punishment for Nikola Jokic coming? Uh, I guess, you know, fines in the NBA, who cares? You know, these guys are making so much money. What are you going to find them? $25,000. They could find that in their couch and send it on into Adam Silver, and it's done with. So I could see a fine actually on both sides. I'm surprised that a lot of people's gut reaction is to blame the player in this case. Think of it this way, Gabe. If that's not Matt Ishbia, if that's just some average Joe fan trying to keep the ball away from one of the players in the game, I think that guy gets tossed from the arena, and I don't know that they're welcome back. That might be like a year or two ban. The NBA takes this very seriously because this is the league where we had the incident, of course, where the players went running into the stands and there was a giant melee and it was a really, really awful, bad scene. 
And that was almost 20 years ago. And I think the league takes pride in the fact that we haven't had anything close to that since. Um, But to me, it would be such a technicality. And I get Jokic's frustration, number one. And B, Ishbia exaggerated the contact so much that I actually put more blame on him than I do on Jokic. First and foremost, I believe the NBA fine for flopping in the postseason is $5,000. I understand Ishbia's got a lot more money than that, but start there. Start with the $5,000 fine for flopping for Ishbia, and then you know go for there. I understand that's supposed to be for players, Aaron, but he flopped. Plain and simple, dude exaggerated the contact. Was there contact? Sure. But the dude flew into the second row behind him like he yep. was Ric Flair selling a punch in WWE. <laughs> and, and also, Gabe, he th- he sent the most hypocritical tweet in the history of Twitter, which is really saying something. Four hours ago, <laughs> great win for the Suns last night in an amazing series so far, which he's, he's not wrong. I mean, the booker, Jokic, Jokic had 53. I know it's a footnote <laughs> to this story, but he had 53 53- dang points last night that should be and is the only story wait wait a minute dude like the reason that this is a story is because you almost took the ball and went running home and then exaggerated the contact from the player to bait it into a point look i I can't hate on that from ishbia he affected the game he impacted the game he played for tom izzo at michigan state and even though he wasn't on the floor he found a way to make a difference for his team but you can't say that this isn't a story you made this a story yeah i mean yes i mean he just he tucked it in like he's a running back and was not going to i'm assuming jokic because he saw one of the members of the suns who went, went spilling into the stands down so he wanted yes. to try to create a 5 on 4 the other way yes. and ishbia being the former player as you mentioned i think recognized that which is why he tried to protect the ball more of than he probably he, should of, have of course he so did. it ends up going into this whole thing let's go ahead and just get uh nikola jokic's perspective here was him last night in his press conference, a uh, little back and forth with reporters about his interaction with Matt Ishbia. He, he told he told me he was elbowing the, the the fan, so but the fan put the hand on me first. So I thought the, the league supposed to protect us or whatever. So but maybe maybe I'm wrong. So we will see. Did you happen to know who the fan was? He's a fan of. He's on on on. on the, I know who is, but he he's a fan, isn't he? If uh, he's a setting right. senior. Phoenix Suns owner sitting on the courts and he's a fan isn't he yep. that doesn't mean that he's a so whoever it is and he's a fan he cannot influence the game by holding the ball do, do you worry that this may lead to a fine or suspension or anything why like that? Uh, just if the NBA official said that he thought you shoved him mm-hmm. so but his hands on me so I'm, they're not going to protect me they're going to protect the fan I mean, not not me, not me as a person. But I'm talking about as a player. Yeah. I mean, they can do whatever. Of course, they don't care. But I think they're supposed to protect players. Were Were you surprised that he didn't just hand you the ball? I mean, that's what I expected. Maybe would happen. The fan with you. Even if he didn't, I was I was trying to rip the ball, and so he didn't let go. So his influence in the game, I think. I think he's supposed to get kicked out if he's influencing the game. I, 
I have a hard time disagreeing with Jokic in that, yeah, he's an owner. I don't care. When you're sitting in that seat, you are now a fan because you're sitting in fan seats. You're not sitting over by the bench. You're not sitting in the bench area where, you know, you are a member of the team like the head coach or an assistant coach or even, you know, even the water boy is, right? Like that, those are all team representatives. The second you're sitting in those seats and you're being surrounded by fans, you probably okay. should be but, but, considered but, but, a fan. I understand he's an owner and he's a big part of why the league exists as the owner pouring money into his franchise. But I kind of agree. Maybe he should have been tossed. Now, I think it'd probably be tough to eject him completely from the building in which he's probably a partial owner of as a, you know, as an owner of an NBA team. But I, I think you got to at least remove him from his seats. Sus- owners have gotten suspended before. Look no further than the guy Matt Ishby is replacing, if you want an example of one who's gotten in some trouble. <laughs> Uh, it would be funny to see what uh, <laughs> what Robert Sarver would have done if in that situation that Ishbio is in last night, who's the former owner of the Suns. But you, I, I let's say you own a restaurant, okay? Okay. And you go to the restaurant mm-hmm. for dinner. You're just you're not just a customer, right? Like you you don't have to pay a check at the end of the night because you own the place. So I think that you probably get treated and the way that you expect to the situation to be handled different than if you're that's the distinction that I draw. A fan is a guest in that building. OK, it's Matt Ishbia's building. And I think he is held to a different standard than the stereotypical fan should be. I think his conduct should it be a higher standard, though. Yes, I think his conduct should set the example for how all the other fans behave and carry themselves. Hell, yes, I do. There are only thirty of them in the entire world who are governors of NBA teams. So I think that's partially his responsibility is to set a good example for fan behavior. So that's why, to me, and maybe I there are things like this I don't see. I don't know. But I don't blame Jokic for this at all. I can't believe he got a tech. I think that should be rescinded. And I actually think if anybody's disciplined here, it should be Ishbia and not Jokic. Yeah, again, I come down. It's, it's a $5,000 fine for flopping, Aaron. At the minimum, he should get, again... It's a drop in the bucket for him. The NBA set the standard. If if you're going to if he's going to be different and he's not actually a fan, then okay, five grand for flopping because it was 100 percent a flop. Canty and Carlin presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? Go to progressive.com/careers and apply online today. Back to Harden, quarter three. It's good. James Harden gives Philly the lead. Smart gets off a shot for three, hits it at the horn, but did he get it off in time? No good. I just watched the replay, Kesty. The fans have seen it. They've decided that game four goes to Philadelphia. It was a big-time win. We let the game kind of slip away from us, but to be resilient like that and everybody may play, uh, that was big time. Mark Kessinger and P.J. Carlissimo on those calls, courtesy of ESPN Radio. Heard that last night right here on ESPN Radio. As the Sixers and Celtics pulled even at two games apiece in their Eastern Conference semifinal series. It's Canty Carlin, ESPN Radio, Gabe Nigel, and Aaron Goldhammer filling in for the guys. And Jalen Brown got off to a hot start, Aaron, last night. And there are a lot of things I think the Celtics 
really need to take a look at, especially after James Harden goes for 40-plus. Joel Embiid had a really good game last night as well. But Jalen Brown scored 12 of the first 19 points for Boston in the first quarter last night. But in the fourth quarter in overtime, only took three shots, scored three points, one of three shooting. And I think this has kind of been the criticism for Brown where he just disappears late in games. And Jalen Brown thinks he has a solution to him getting more looks late in games. And... He just said last night after the game he needs to demand the ball more. I guess I got to demand the ball a little bit more. Um, I thought good things happened when I had it in my hands, but I thought our offense was was, was okay. I thought we we made we chipped away, we made big time shots, got great looks all game long. We just came up short in the end. Some of the underlying things that have been going on with the Celtics all season long have revolved around Jalen Brown and whether or not he's going to be with the team next year. Is he interested in playing else? Does he want to be a member of the Boston Celtics? Is this the solution for him, just demanding the ball more? Or because of the doubt of his future with the team, is he in a place where he can even demand getting the ball more? Gabe, I know what the quote says in that soundbite, but I think you have to watch it and listen to it in order to understand the subtext. And I think the subtext is that Joe Mazzula, the coach, that Brad Stevens, who runs the front office, that they want Jason Tatum to have the ball in his hands in those moments and that he feels like he's earned the right to have it and that if he doesn't demand it, he's not going to get it because they're just going to lean on Tatum over him. So I think this has everything to do with what his future in Boston is. Now, if I'm the Celtics, I think that a Tatum-Brown combination, the way the game is today, the way the game is played today, is the foundation for not just one championship, but for multiple championships. But I I heard, you know, like Jalen was on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max here on ESPN Radio a couple months ago. And, you know, the the question of whether he really wants to be in Boston long-term now, I think, is a really fair one. Did you read into that soundbite the same way that I did, that... it had a bigger picture than just a comment about game four of this particular series. It's the second part of the quote where he starts talking about how he thinks good things happened when the ball was in his hand. I think that you are starting to read into more because good things did not happen when the ball was in Jason Tatum's hand when they were down one in overtime and needed to get a shot off and did not get a shot off as the clock had expired before Marcus Smart had launched a three. Yes, it went in, but it was still a Marcus Smart three, which I think there was a reason he was wide open. I think the Sixers weren't too concerned about him. So this is Jason Tatum's team. I don't think there's any debating that. I still don't know if Jalen Brown wants to be the alpha, if he wants to be the number one on a team. But when he says things like this, especially after the way he started the game, it seems like these two guys are almost a dysfunctional, and and stick with me here, it it seemed like when LeBron initially went to the Heat all those years ago, it was... I take it. It's my turn. Oh, now it's Dwayne's turn. Now it's my turn as LeBron. Now it's Dwayne's turn. They, that's how offensive possessions would go before right. they finally found a rhythm. This sure. is like a poor man's version of that because we're not talking about two you know all time greats. Now they have a lot of potential. But you know what's funny though, Gabe, with, with Ime Udoka last year when they made the finals run, had the two one lead in the series. We didn't hear any of this between nope. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I mean, there were Jalen Brown trade rumors, but only because Anthony Davis was available. Yes. Like, you know, and or Kevin Durant. Or Kevin Durant, exactly. 
uh, some of the really, really top names that have hit the market over the course of the last couple of years. They've demanded trades. Um, To me, this is a coaching problem. It really is with Boston. Uh, I think they're underperforming the talent on their roster so far in the playoffs. I thought they had a harder time with the Hawks than they should have. And I think they really could have swept this series, to be honest with you, Gabe. And I wonder if they had a better coach, if they if they could have. Um, and I think right now you're seeing, and I know they had to make the move because of whatever happened off the court with Udoka. But I think you're seeing a first-time head coach in the playoffs with the way Joe Missoula has handled some in-game decisions and the overall feel for his team in the playoffs. And I honestly think one of the criticisms that I've heard about the Celtics last night was not taking a timeout before that final possession. I don't know what else they draw up. They had the ball in Jason Tatum's hand, and he just decided to give it up. I mean, Gabe, you can go and not call timeout, but you better get a shot off. I mean, Mike Boozen, but you're in Milwaukee. Mike Budenholzer yes. didn't call timeout, correct? And they didn't get a shot off, and he got slaughtered for it, and rightfully so, because you have to have some kind of plan. You have to have practiced some kind of plan so that I don't know Grayson Allen doesn't end up with the ball in his hands, or Marcus Smart's left firing three pointers after the buzzer is sounded. So I mean, in hindsight. I don't think the Celtics had a good plan. I, first of all, you're down one. Why are these guys shooting three-pointers down by one? A two-pointer is a higher percentage shot. You could get fouled. Also, why are you waiting so long to go? You could get yeah. an offensive rebound. So, like, there's six things about that that are dumb. And ultimately, yes, it's the player's responsibility, but it's the coach's responsibility to prepare the players. And Boston both at the end of regulation and at the end of overtime, did not look prepared for how they wanted to attack that moment for that last shot. So, yeah, it, in hindsight, it is fair to go back and criticize them for not calling a timeout. I, it, the, the one thing about the timeout I would say, and certainly in the Bucks situation a couple of weeks ago as well, once you realize the possession's disjointed, just call the timeout if you got it. Yes. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, once like, you realize that... that the clock has been drained down to six seconds and you haven't done anything yet. Yeah, you just got to call the timeout and try something. You know, okay, now we got to reset. Maybe you can get that quick shot off then after that. You know, you try a uh-huh. out-of-bounds play that gets you that quick shot, potential for offensive rebound. Even if you miss, you're still not out of the game because you can foul and then you're down three and you might still get another offensive possession push totally. it to so in a Celtic I, I think, si- situation they, they, to a second overtime. Sorry to interrupt you, but they started with six seconds. If I was them, I'd have tried in that situation to get the shot up with six seconds to go because of everything you just said. The potential for an offensive rebound, the potential for a foul, and then if you happen to miss and they rebound, you foul and you get another chance to be able to tie or win the game. So, yeah. Um, I thought they you might handled- be onto something. You might be onto something with this this criticism of the coaching staff of of the Boston Celtics because I think you're onto something, especially it's, it's when it comes things, to Jalen Brown. It's little things and big things right now. And I, I, I mean, I've heard Tim Bontemp say this. I was listening to the Hoop Collective podcast, uh, which I'll be, throw in a plug for because I love it. Wherever you can get your podcast, of course, with Brian Winhurst and and uh, Bontemps and and Tim McMahon. I was listening to it early this morning. And Bontemps made this point, and I agree. On paper, Boston should win the title this year. You know, if you just look at who's oh, left sure. and the players they have, but are they going to play with their food? Are they going to mess around here and blow this series and get knocked out in the second round? Yeah, it's 
And it's a tight series. Who are you giving the edge to right now? Just quickly. Are you giving it to the Celtics? Are you giving it to the Sixers? Yeah, they're tied to two I think apiece? the Celtics are a better team. Um, but now they're in a position where they um, there are only three games left, and you're leaving yourself open to the possibility that Embiid is going to have one of these games where he scores 50 points. And then you've only got one shot left. So the Celtics' margin for error, the longer the series goes, continues to shrink. Coming up next here on KT and Cullen, if you had to bet on a second-year quarterback to lead their team to the playoffs, who would you choose? Plus, will Saquon and the Giants get a deal done? Would he hold out? We'll answer all those questions coming up next. KT and Cullen, ESPN Radio, in the ESPN app. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Gabe Neitzel, Aaron Goldhammer filling in for the guys this afternoon. ESPN Radio presented by, as always, by Progressive Insurance. Just talking a little NBA, we shift gears and head to the NFL as we welcome in Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst and, of course, host of the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny Podcasts. Mina, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the time. It seems like we're, for the most part, past the player acquisition part of the offseason. What team would you say has had the best offseason so far? Well, you know, like a lot of people, I'm a pretty big fan of what the Eagles did, not necessarily because I think they dramatically improved their team. I would probably point to some other rosters, obviously the Jets, for example. I really like some of the additions Miami made. Detroit's made a bunch of pretty significant additions, but more so that they didn't uh, go backwards. You know, this is a team that after appearing in the Super Bowl, uh, had a number of free agents, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And while they've seen some departures, obviously losing Javon Hargrave, their defensive tackle who made a ton of money from San Francisco, uh, they managed to retain a lot of their talent, particularly uh, up front, cornerbacks. And then I think in the draft added a couple of players, particularly one, Jalen Carter, who should be able to contribute immediately. Then on top of all that, they locked in their quarterback uh, for several years. So I feel like it was a pretty successful offseason for them. 
Mina uh, is going to host NFL Live coming up 4 o'clock Eastern on ESPN today. And four minutes ago, you tweeted a gif of Jordan Love licking his lips. Um, explain the significance of the gif and what, if at all, does it have anything to do with what you think the Packers are going to be and do in their first season without Aaron Rodgers? Well, I just searched Jordan Love and it was like the fourth gift. So that's just significant. Well, I tweeted it because we are actually talking about Jordan Love and the Packers offense today at the top of the show. Um, and, you know, it's a subject I'm excited about because obviously we haven't seen a lot of love. Uh, it's fairly pretty small sample size of gameplay. I thought he looked good last year in relief for Rodgers and the the Eagles game, but um, it's a bit of a, a bit of a open open question of what he's going to look like. What we do know, however, is that this is a Packers offense that has a very good offensive line, one of the best pass protecting units in the league. And I suspect, based on some of the additions they've made, particularly focusing on the tight end position in the draft, we'll be running the football. We'll see a lot of twelve personnel. We'll see, I imagine, a fair amount of RPOs, which is something that Matt Lafleur their uh, head coach and play caller um, really stresses in that offense to create um, easy reads for the quarterback. And I think, you know, while most people don't look at the Packers and think they have one of the better pass catching groups in the NFL, when you consider the combination of the offensive line and the play caller, and I think some of the skill players, it's a really decent spot for a young QB. Talking with Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst on Cantia Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Gabe Notchel, Aaron Goldhammer filling in for the guys. If you had to bet on a second-year quarterback to lead their team to the playoffs this upcoming season, who are you going to choose, Mina? Ooh, uh, a second-year quarterback. So we're looking at Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter. Um, it's not a great I mean, list. I, you know, I guess if you throw Brock Purdy in the mix, I expect the San Francisco 49ers to be back in the playoffs. But that, that's kind of a funny one because I expect them to be in the playoffs almost regardless of who's playing quarterback, if it's Purdy or not. Uh, so I guess I'll go with the San Francisco 49ers. I do think the Falcons have a decent pass to the playoffs, especially being in the NFC South. And, you know, they were one of the more active teams in free agency. I, I think we're going to see a lot of improvements uh, on particularly on defense, which is it was a pretty low bar for them last year, but they still tied at seven and ten with two other teams in the division. Mina Kimes is with us. Uh, Mina, what do you think the Giants ultimately are going to end up doing with Saquon Barkley long term? Uh, you know that's a great question. I it, it's really hard to say because I think right now the amount of money that Saquon reportedly wants, um, the kind of amount of money that would, you know, have him turning down a deal and playing on the tag this year. Well, I don't think the giants have the capacity to give him that kind of contract. I'm not sure it would be smart, frankly, from a team building perspective. It just so rarely works out. I think when you, when you, when you look at the running back deals that have, you know, worked out, I, I think of Derek Henry in Tennessee, where it was basically a two year deal is pretty reasonable for the Titans, if New York was able to work out something like that with Saquon, I could see him sticking around. But uh, if not, if he really wants more and wants to test the open market, I'm not sure how wise of an approach that would be, um, that he might be gone. 
Talking with Mita Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst, of course, host of the Mita Kimes show featuring Lenny Podcast, Canty Carlin, ESPN Radio, Gabe Nigel, Aaron Goldhammer, in for Canty and Carlin today. And earlier today, Mina, on social media, on Twitter, you put out um, about a five-minute piece that you had about how it's just an arms race right now with social media teams for NFLs uh, for NFL franchises as they try to come up with the most creative things that they can for the schedule release. How is the NFL built putting out the schedule into such a big event that it has now become every year? Well, the NFL seems to have a unique capability to turn anything into an off-season event. Um, and now, you know, we're just coming out the draft, which is a multi-day event. Uh, and a schedule release is no different. The funny thing is, I'm actually not sure fans are that invested in the exact order of games. You do know the opponents, right, pretty far in advance. But I think that the the staffers on these teams who make who work on their media side have been so creative putting together these schedule release videos that it kind of makes fans more invested in, in the information coming out just because it's an opportunity for these teams to kind of roast each other and show a lot of creativity. And um, it, it really is a lot of fun for the fan base bases. Mina, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. Have fun talking about Jordan Love in 22 minutes on NFL Live. Thanks thanks for having me, guys. (laughs) I mean, I talk about Jordan Love every day. I'm in Milwaukee. We talk about Jordan Love, Aaron (laughs) Rodgers. We do it all. So I'm just glad that somebody else gets to talk about Jordan Love today as that's what they're doing over on NFL Live on ESPN in about 22 minutes or so. Coming up next here on ESPN Radio, though, which player can most change the narrative about them in the playoffs? Who is the most to gain? Who is the most to lose? We'll dive into that. Canty Carlin, ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And Carlin, the podcast. Back to Harden, quarter three. It's good. James Harden gives Philly the lead. 42 for James Harden. Smart gets off a shot for three. Hits it at the horn. But did he get it off in time? 
No good. I just watched the replay, Kesty. The fans have seen it. They've decided that game four goes to Philadelphia. It's a big time win. We let the game kind of slip away from us, but to be resilient like that and everybody make plays, uh, that was big time. That's how the NBA playoffs sound on ESPN Radio. And all these series are getting really interesting as we sit in the Western Conference, Eastern Conference semifinals. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Series XM Channel 80. Gabe Neitzel, Aaron Goldhammer in for the boys today. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. NBA playoffs continuing tonight. You can tune in tonight to Lakers host the Warriors. It's presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. And as we sit here, Aaron, which player do you believe can most change the narrative about them in the playoffs? We'll start with the positive one. Which player has the most to gain? I might have the same answer on both accounts. (laughs) Um, Gabe, I'm riding the James Harden roller coaster right now, and it's Oh, the wow. hottest, it's the hottest coaster at Six Flags or whatever. Di- no, we're on D- Disney World. It's the hottest coaster at Disney World. Um, I-, I just so he plays a great game one, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking he's finally over being this playoff no show. Then he plays a terrible game two and game three, and you're just like, oh man, that was a one game. Then he comes back and hits the game winner. And was clearly the best player on the Sixers, I thought, in Game 4. Not the MVP, Joel Embiid. Inspired by a seven-minute song that Doc sent him earlier in the day. Yes, and also the the story I thought was so cool with uh, the victim from the Michigan State shooting who connected with Harden and then who came to visit. He signed the shoes and everything afterwards. Really a cool, heartwarming story. So, you know, I, I feel like now James Harden has played some great playoff games, and he has a chance in my mind, to totally change the narrative around him as a player if he keeps playing like this and the Sixers end up winning the title. I am going with I'm going with Jokic because right now I I have a hard time with, with Harden just because at this point he's the second best player on that team, right? Like if they win a championship, it's going to be because of Embiid. Embiid's going to get so much of that credit. He's the league MVP after all. He's going to get a lot of that credit, even though Harden would deserve a good chunk of credit, presumably if they were to win a title. But for me, it's Jokic. This guy's the two-time league MVP, and it's been a team that has struggled in the postseason. They've been able to do and just roll through the Western Conference, pick up all those wins the way they have the last two, three seasons. But for whatever reason, their stuff hasn't worked out in the playoffs. And I think part of that has been injuries in the past to Jamal Murray, who's been playing really well this postseason. But Jokic is just kind of looked at right now as this regular season dude who wants the playoffs hit. What do you you have, 53 last night, Gabe? I mean... Yeah, I, I think he's a big game player. People forget they went to the conference finals in the bubble and upset the Clippers after falling down 3-1. Like, I think he's proven himself more than Harden has as a playoff performer. And I'll just about guarantee you this. I'm curious if you agree or disagree. If the Nuggets get eliminated, it's not going to be because of Nikola Jokic in this series, I would think. <laughs> I, I wouldn't think so. But at that point, you start questioning because this is what happened. And again, maybe I'm overprotective of Giannis because I'm in Milwaukee. But that's what everybody was on Giannis for. Oh, he's not a true number one. Oh, yeah, he can rack up all these stats. But he's not really a true number one. But he can't close out a playoff series until he scored 50 points in Game 6 of the NBA Finals that brought the Bucks a championship. Those criticisms are going to be lobbed at Jokic 
Jokic of, okay, yeah. yeah, he's one of the best players in the league, but is he actually a number one when you hit the postseason? The way, you know, kind of the opposite way of what Jimmy Butler does for the Heat, where during yep. the regular season, it seems Jimmy walk, you know, just kind of sleepwalks through, and yep. then he just becomes an absolute, you know, just baller during the postseason. To flip this on its head, who has the most to lose right now? I, I don't know how many more chances Chris Paul's going to get to win a champion. He's hurt right now. Mm-hmm. He's not there for his team. And if he doesn't win it this year, Gabe, I've got a feeling he's going to be on that list, you know, with Barkley and Carl Malone and John Stockton as the all-time great NBA guys who just never were able to win a championship, and he only got to the finals once. I think he's one of the best point guards that I've ever seen. He's clearly past his prime, but it would be really nice for him to get there, that Jason Kidd-esque championship. You know, Kidd <laughs> kid got one with the Mavericks. With the Mavericks. He was an important player on the team, but he wasn't an sure. all-star anymore. And I, I, I think... Chris, people would see his career differently, even if it is sort of hanging on with Durant and Booker, if he's able really? to you think secure that one a championship, championship would really yes. change his legacy. I do because he, like you said, he's one of the all-time greats. His nickname is the Point God. You know, like I mean, when your nickname's the Point God, I, I don't know how much one single championship, especially as the third or fourth best player on your team is going to change that that legacy about you. You're still I, one of the I, I greatest of all is, time. It's just, how you I'll just avoid this. you avoid living in infamy, you know, when when you know they put up that list, your name's not going to be on it. Sure. I mean but, no one would argue with him being a Hall of Famer, but I think he's one of like I said, I I, I would that's how I would say he's one of the best point guards I've ever seen. And if you're gonna knock him for something, you would say, well, you know, what about his championships, blah blah blah. You know, he should have ended up with Kobe and the Lakers, and he would have won championships there if David yep. Stern didn't step in and nix the <laughs> trade. Um, so his career has taken this really interesting path, and I just think it me would I imagine that it would mean a lot to him also to be able to feel what that moment is like. I mean, everybody else who he's associated with, the Banana Boat crew, you know, uh, they've won at the highest levels, uh, Dwayne Wade and LeBron, except for him. In terms of, to me, who I think has the most to lose, I think it's Anthony Davis. Because as this entire season continues to progress, really ever since the bubble, it seems that his reputation continues to go down and down. Yes, the ceiling is incredibly high. We've seen him have the spectacular 30-point, 23-rebound games. But if you're not someone you can rely upon in the postseason and have at least a little bit of consistency, and I understand 30 and 23 is not going to, you know, you can't consistently do that. But you have to do better than 30 points, 14 points, 34 points, 12 points. And you just cannot be riding this roller coaster. There has to be some level of consistency if you're one of the best players in the NBA. And to me, he's going to become someone you cannot rely upon when the games... Yeah, you might get something great, but you might also get something that's just c- completely just out of whack with what the game previous to it was. Coming up next, we want to hear from you about which player can change the narrative about them in the postseason. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.